Welcome back to the muster on Hokanui for a Tuesday afternoon. Going up to South Otago between Balclutha and Milton, uh, Nigel Woodhead, former Young Farmer of the Year winner and Sheep Beef Farmer these days up there. Nigel, how's things? Good, Andy. How are you? No, not bad. Um, I take it as like up there as like anywhere else. Uh, nice blue sky. You've got the zinc on today and the sunnies. It's a beautiful day, I must say. It's, uh, yeah, it's actually got a bit of a sweat on there, so... Uh, it's good. Well, any day like this, this time of year is a good one. We'll be growing grass. It'll be it's ideal. You would have had those frosts over the weekend? Yes. Yeah, no, that's definitely slowing growth, slowed growth down a bit. But I don't know. Like, I reckon things are still ticking away. You know, like um, paddocks moved ewes out of late last week. There's still that wee green green shoot just coming away. So a few warm days and, yeah, we'll, we'll carry on. And we, we get a bit of growth in the winter anyway because we're quite coastal. So, um, yeah, no, it's, um, things are ticking away nicely. So you're well and truly into winter mode now? Yeah, um, yep. all the ewes are behind a wire now and uh, you will probably get, uh, we'll get to the hoggets that went to the ram on some on some rape and plantain probably next week, I think, just to, just to start them on their winter thing. And then the dry hoggets will probably go on Swedes in another week or two and yeah, hopefully we can push the ewes and to do out another couple of weeks before they go anywhere near crop. What weight did you have the hoggets going to the ram at? Uh, the ones that went to the round were 42 plus, and I think they averaged about 46-ish from memory. I could, yeah, I'd have to look at my diary. So yeah, strangely enough, in a, in a drought, we've had you know the best hoggets that Leanne and I have had since we've been home this year. Just, um, yeah, we really focused on managing them and feeding them really well and getting rid of stall ends when we did. Gave us the ability to feed those hoggets well, so yeah, really happy with how the hoggets are looking overall. That's a really good size animal when you're talking into that weights. I know, I know. Although I saw on was it Twitter or Facebook or something the other day, Doug Avery up there in Blenheim, they mated all of their hoggets at an average weight of sixty kilos. Yeah, I've seen that. Holy hell. I just about died. Holy moly, that's a massive animal. How big is that flaming thing gonna be when it's it you know, fully grown? Yeah, imagine spitting that thing out. Imagine spitting so, that thing out in September. Holy hector. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd be just putting them on the hill and forgetting about them. You wouldn't want to be doing too much for lambing. Imagine trying to catch them. But um, anyway, so yeah, some some obviously some ewe lamb goals there for, for growth. But um, yeah, no, I'm pretty, like I say, pretty happy with how the ewe lambs are looking this year. And, and I sort of had grand ambitions this year of putting them all to the ram. But um, yeah, just with the season and things, we weren't quite able to. But yeah, getting 450s, um, yeah, better than nothing. It's quite a fine line putting the ram to the hoggets, isn't it? Because you get it right, it works in your favour, but you want to, don't want to do it on the lighter animals and actually ruin them for later on. Nah, dead right. You know, you've got to, got to pick the right animals and you've got to make sure you have the ability to feed them through the winter and then again in the spring. So, um, uh, what's his name? Professor Paul Kenyon, I think it is, the, the animals professor, sheep production dude from Massey Uni. Um, I heard him say once, if you can't, if you aren't confident you can grow your hobbits at 100 grams a day through the entire winter, don't put them to the ram. Interesting way to look at it. So that's the level of, and once you get that in your head, that's the level of feeding your hobbits need between mating and set stocking. Um, yeah, and like we, so we, about three years ago, or two years ago, I think we put, um, we put 400 hobbits to the ram, we got 300 odd in lamb, and we ended up with 330 lambs, and that was so that was awesome. And we actually killed a quarter of those lambs off mum in the middle of January. Nice. 
um, because we had them all on, we land them on red clover, and they were just in after tailing went on a rotation around the red clover paddocks, and you know we were pulling wet dry tudus out, or you know wet dry hoggets, sorry, at the start of December at seventy kilos. Yeah. So like you know they on that real high octane red clover feed, man, they the hoggets themselves do well, the lambs do well, and any wet dries just end up the size of horses. So. Um, yeah, we. I, I know we can do it. We just got to get them big enough as ewe lambs to get them, to get them in lamb as our battle going forward. Yeah, you put them on their red clover, they'll do like dogs' dinners. Oh yeah, no, they they do do well. Yeah, no, you're right. It's um, it's good stuff there. And speaking of dogs' dinners, um, cutting up some muddins this morning, not for the dogs, but for yourself. Um, you still home cool. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's just something synonymous with being on a farm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I actually this the process this morning, the butchering stuff is a, is a job I really enjoy. Um, the, the, the killing of the lambs is something I don't enjoy a whole lot, but it actually wasn't too bad last week. I killed them on one of those real nasty days where it was about two degrees and blowing a gale. So actually being in the shed and, um, yeah, killing some muddins and with the radio going, and it was, yeah, it was actually wasn't too bad a job to do at all. And then, yeah, I just figured that today, it get pretty warm, and when the weather gets warm, the flies usually turn up again, so I better get them cut up this morning before the flies turn up. So that's what I'm doing today, or yeah, for now anyway, and then your discussion group this afternoon. It's interesting, though, people, the different people you talk to, the thought process regarding dog tuckers these days, well, regarding ewes, because ewes are worth so much um, at the yards, works, etc. but a lot of people just buy in their dog tucker. Uh, do you just do your own dog tucker, or what do you do? Oh, a combination. Yeah, I won't, like, I won't keep. Any, if, if, if I've got anything that's saleable, it'll get sold. But yeah, there's always the old skinny old ewe or something, a limper that the, that the works won't take or something going on. Or, you know, there's always a bit of misfortune on the farm, so there's, I, I've never seen to struggle for dog tugger. We do buy a bit, a bit of um, a mighty mix of frozen stuff because it's quite good, and, and a few nuts just to have in the shed just in case we run out. But I also I cook all of the offal when I kill dog tuckers and muttons and stuff, so there's actually quite a bit of feeding the dogs and, and the, all the offal and stuff as well. So, yeah, we um, we yeah, our dogs definitely don't go hungry, that's for sure. When you feed them offal, how, how do you work out the ratio when you're feeding them? Oh, I just, just, I've got like an old half shovel and I just give them a scoop out of a bucket of that and they seem to do pretty well out of it. Um, yeah, like if I can be bothered, I'll give all the back end, like all the intestines and everything, I go clean up and put all that in too, but if I'm pushed for time, then I'll just throw the the heart, liver, lungs, kidneys, and the heads and hocks in the cooker and cook all that up. And then once it's boiled for, for the two or three or four hours, then I chuck it about four or five or six kilos of rice on top, and it soaks up all the water. And then you end up with this like stew casserole. Sort of say. <laughs> yeah, the dogs love it. Eh? They do so well. Because um, otherwise, if you don't put that rice in, then you tip all the water out, and you end up losing. There's quite a bit of goodness in that water, so. Um, and a lot of fat as well. Like if you tip it out on the ground and leave it in there, all the fat sits on the ground, and there's a lot of fat and a lot of goodness in there. Be very like nutri- yeah, very nutrient rich. Nutrient rich when oh, you're doing yeah. something like that. Yeah, and like I say, the rice soaks all that up, and it's like a like a three course dinner for the dogs. And like I say, we I got buckets that I fill up, and yeah, probably a bucket does probably four feeds for five dogs, and. What I tell four muddins, and I had a couple of buckets of stuff in the freezer the other day, and I've got four and a half bucket full. So I don't know, that might be 80 or 90 individual dog feeds. 
that's pretty... a lot of a, a lot of energy that would otherwise go in the hole. And that's the thing. If um, yeah, I've heard of a few people that boil up the offal and actually feed the dogs that way. Um, but I suppose yeah, like you can go to the local butcher shop and buy a pack for twenty five bucks, budget on three feeds out of that. But if you get the chance to do it like that, well, I suppose it makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I, like I never used to do it, but spent a bit of time with a mate up in Canterbury, and he he does it with everything. And um, yeah, like if you're buying um, buying mighty mix or or nuts or anything else, it's sort of at least two or three dollars a feed per dog per night. You know, so. Yeah. Um, you times that by how many feeds you get out of cooking on earth, and there's a few money you're saving. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm just tight, and I like to get everything out of it. And it, you know, like I say, the dogs love it. Like every time you crank the cooker up, and the dogs start smelling it, they get all excited. <laughs> so that's good enough for me. How do you handle the smell? Oh, it's all right actually. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually all right, and on the odd occasion, it actually you find yourself thinking, "Oh, it smells all right." Each to their own. So, yeah, and especially if you don't put all the intestines and stuff in, then all your cooking is, is you know, like I say, heart, liver, lungs, it's just like having a boil up. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Hey, Nigel Wood, here, we'll let you go. Thanks for your time on the mustard. Good chat. No, no worries. Cheers, Andy. Nigel Woodhead there, um, sheep beef farmer and as well gastro chef for his dogs by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, they'll boil up of the guts and everything. A few people still do it. And um, it's certainly an option if you've got a chance to do it, by all means. Um, what isn't dog tucker is up next because we're talking about Lake Hiroko bull sale on tomorrow. Elton Devery, he's on the show to give us the rundown on what's happening there. No dog tuckers there, that's for sure.